This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 98, Group Metas with Naderade. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. Well, hi, everyone. It's me. It's Matt. It's just Matt. For now. Just Matt for now. There's going to be more people here in a minute, uh, but I wanted to tell you about today's episode before we get into it because we recorded a session with Naderade, one of our space kitties. Naderade's been a space kitty for a while, so uh, it's about darn time we got around to his episode, and he had an awesome topic that I'm super excited for you all to hear. Hunter and I sat down with him and had a, a really interesting conversation about the different types of group metas, depending on where you're playing, whether it be in real life or on Tabletop Simulator. So I'm not gonna just sit here and have you listen to me forever, because I'm not very interested in talking to myself. We are gonna go straight to the episode. Here we go! It's just all about you now. It's all about Nate. Nate, hello. How's it going? How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. Yeah. Good to hear. Nate, you are you are one of our space kitties, and today's a space kitty episode, which means it's your time to shine, baby. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 I'm bringing a crazy what? energy. No one was ready for that, uh, but I don't care. Uh, Nate, you had a really great idea for an episode today that I'm super excited to get into. Uh, one of our favorite episodes of all time was our... Uh, our meta list with Jada Pake where we broke down all of these different types of players, but it was like a list of like 20 or whatever. Uh, today we're going to break down more of the different social metas, the different groups of metas. So not specifically the players, but the, the types of groups you could play in and what those vibes are like when you play amongst that group. Mm -hmm. Uh, but to get there, I think we have to frame it around, you and and all of your players, Nate, because uh, that's kind of the genesis of this whole idea is talking about some things that happened within your meta and things that uh, broke the game uh, amongst your group and whatnot. So uh, the first thing, I guess, is let's let's break down uh, what is sort of the, the three main types of TI players. Now, lots of people are probably familiar with the magic term of like Johnny, Timmy and Spike. Uh, and if you don't, don't worry about it, because we're kind of redefining those in different ways that are more applicable specifically to TI. But, Nate, let's start just with you. What what kind of player are you, Nate? And then we'll start basing our other definitions off of that. It's gotten to the point where strategy is a part of it for sure, but it's trying to pull off big theory-crafty maneuvers. It's like, oh, I made the mechanics work in my favor look at this awesome thing trying to pull off those play of the weeks yeah that's a good way to put it nate nate's nate's a nate's a play of the week kind of guy and plays of the week are defined by big huge bold strategies that don't always win games but they're always a a strategic moment worth noting uh hunter we've talked about like power gamers before how does how does power gaming i guess apply to a to a nate um well i I feel like power gaming in Twilight Imperium is all about um, doing, uh, pulling off plays that are very powerful. Um, a play that I think uh, Nate, you had a, you had an example uh, that had to do with the extra flagship, which I feel like is such a good example of just like a power right. play. Right. So, um, not to bring it back up, but 
I ended up playing those that four player um, game of the tournament, and I was able to pick X Charge because I was like, you know what, it's a tournament. I know X is bad, but four player, let's give it a shot. Because uh, mm-hmm. I had developed a strategy with my group that I'd worked on where if everything works out timing wise, you can put their flagship next to Mechatol round one. Right. Which I didn't even know you could do that, but this is we're talking four player <laughs> shenanigans. Stuff, so, yeah, right. the gloves yeah. are off. Yeah, <laughs> not non canon, I would say. <laughs> games, but the point there being is your your goal is almost regardless of if putting my flagship adjacent to Mechatol definitely wins me the game. It's the it's the coolest thing I could do round one, and it will definitely impact the board. So that's the thing you want to go for. And it sounds like it has also worked out quite well for you because you did make it to the finals, and I don't think you said you've ever lost doing that strategy? I've done it four times as extra, and I've never lost doing that. Yeah, That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, so so your Nates are are trying to do the coolest mechanical thing they can pull off, and that is sort of directly opposed to the other type of player who's just trying to do cool stuff, but it's with a very, very different uh, mindset. Uh, Nate, can you tell me about Devin? Uh, Devin just wants to play his own game. Um, he wants to have those memorable actions, um, and he'll carry things into the next game more so than any other player. Uh, if he's holding a grudge against you... Uh, He'll threaten your home system round one. Uh, and and I, I like that idea of the the story across games is what's important to Devin, right? I mean, it's it's about, again, like you say, if, if you did something bad to him one game, he's not letting that go because it is about the story of all of your sessions at once. Correct. That sort of defines De- Devin's decision making. And, it, and it's less in service of like winning the game and more in service of like style and, and yes. just ha- pulling off something cool that you'll be able to talk about uh, for a long time. Absolutely. He wants to be able to like, you know, a week from now go, hey, you remember that one time that I did this and right. some crazy stuff yeah. happened? Yeah, we, we have a we have a player that we've referenced multiple times named Sean. And, and Sean's big thing is at least once a game, he's going to make some move that everyone thinks is crazy, but it's so hilarious and so bold that you never ever ever forget it uh uh, some of our favorite in-game moments are because of sean despite it almost never being in his best interest to do what he's trying to do it is more about he wants to make an impact on the game and and never be forgotten in terms of how he plays yeah i would say we've never played uh twilight imperium with dane uh but from talking to dane i feel like dane is a little bit of a devon yeah, Dane, Dane Beltrami is all about. It sounds like just doing really crazy, dastardly stuff to mm-hmm. uh, just to hurt off other stuff people that you wouldn't have thought was possible in the game, basically. Or like maybe mm-hmm. it's possible, but it's like I don't know how you even actually make that happen. Right, right. Um, so the last one to talk about, we, we've got our Nates. We've got our. I just want to pull off a huge thing, and I care about winning, but I care more about making my my engine work, making my mechanism work. And Devons are. I don't care about winning. I want the story to be very good. Uh, so our last one to kind of break down is uh, what you've told us is is your Adam player. Uh, so so get, give me the breakdown on Adam. Uh, more mechanical of a player. Um, not very theorycrafty. If it's uh, if it's broke, don't fix it kind of guy. Um, you know, uh, just the 
slow, steady race to win. This is what I got to do. Uh, guys like Adam like to play soul. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you said this, Adam is kind of similar to Tom, which you described Tom to us before we started recording as he gets neural motivator every game, no matter what, because it's the best tech you can get. Uh, yes. Kind of thing. Oh, we haven't had a discussion about, we haven't, we haven't talked about neural versus Sarween in a very long time. In a I long time. About. <laughs> the age old dispute. Right. Uh, but Adams are interesting to me because uh, Adams seem the most invested probably in tournament play, right? They want to prove that they are the best and can win games uh, and, and almost forget about the story of TI. And it is more about the systems in place and the mechanics that they're working under and trying to master that. They're trying to solve Twilight Imperium. Right. Yeah, like a, a min-max kind of tournament-level type play, basically. I, I just want to play the game the best way. Right. And this is something I think uh, maybe we we have, without specifically meaning to... Space Cats, Peace Turtles has, has become a show probably more centered around Adams. We probably have more Adam friends than or Adam fans than we have anything else because we talk about strategy on the show. So pe- people come to us looking for strategy discussions. We we always meant to include other players, but last week was our soul guide and some of the some of the comments that we got was we're, we're talking about personal me- metas uh, and and how our guide didn't seem to fit in with how their group operated and I think it's because when we designed that soul guide, we were thinking mostly from an Adam point of view. Hunter, would you agree with that assessment? Uh, sure. But I think that I, I, I think that we also uh, tried to keep a lot of the discussion open as far as like the meta. Um, yeah. And, and we tried Definitely. to make it as adaptable as possible. I think there's a lot more we can do to kind of include um, a lot of different uh, types of meta. It's hard to talk about trading and promissory notes in general on this show without knowing there is no like solid, like this is how much this costs in every, uh, in every group basically. Well, and I know you Uh, guys have talked about Magi uh, and that's kind of the Adams of the world. Like everything has a numerical value attached to it. Yeah. And, and it's, what's interesting about him is he, he has sort of mapped out his own kind of code of ethics when it comes to like exactly how much value something is worth. And I think he's probably come the close, the closest to, finding like a a neutral price for everything but you know from group to group people just have different percept i mean it's like it's almost when you're talking about this it's almost like how money works in real life where there is like a perception of its value but then there's also like it's pure purchasing power right um, and trying to like figure all of that out for everybody is uh in at least within the con the confines of this show and this game is uh really hard turns out yeah, a dollar is worth one dollar, but a dollar gets you a different thing in Arkansas than it gets you in New York City. Yeah, very true. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's let's dive into some of these these groups then, uh, and I think the best one to talk about first is the one that most people start with with Twilight Imperium, which is just sitting down in real life with your friends. Uh, I would argue it's it's probably the the most fun way to play Twilight Imperium because the whole point of getting together is to just hang out with your friends and have right. a thing to do with friends. But the, but the main goal is camaraderie. And, and so the social aspect, the social implications of what you do define every decision you make in the game. I think it's worth mentioning that when like that, this game was made in this situation, like yeah. the, this game is made and tested 
in real life with friends. Like that's right. how that's how they're doing it. And and the friends are all the people that work at Fantasy Flight that are playing it every day. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But uh Nate, you have a story that I think is worth having you tell, which is to talk about what happens when someone brings a different energy into an IRL group of just friends. Sure. So I bought the game originally. Um, and I brought it to the table. I'm, I'm kind of the guy that, uh, brings the board games to the group for the most part. And, um, I brought it to the table and we all started playing and I was just the biggest jerk in the world when we first started playing. And I created this meta of just like, we're not going to do, uh, no non-binding deals. We'll backstab each other. It, it's a very cutthroat game when I'm playing in real life with my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we'll talk about it later, but I then started playing TTS, and that is not how people play on TTS. So I've tried to come back and go, hey, guys, there's a, there's another way, I promise. But mm-hmm. they're not hearing it. You've gotten them so used to this particular attitude, and, and TI has been defined in a certain way, that as soon as you try to introduce a new element, not only are they just like, I don't know if that's going to work strategically, but they're like, that's not the kind of fun we have here. Right. I think... If you're going to be brutal in uh, in a situation where you're with your friends, there are some real consequences for that. Uh, and people are going to remember what it is that you do and what your ongoing kind of persona is, uh, right. which I think is something that makes this setup distinct from a lot of the others that we're going to talk about. Is This is like the highest consequence situation right. as far as when I do something crazy at the table, uh, people are going to remember it, which is, I think, why this is... This is the group that I think you, you have your most Devons in because a Devon is actually going to be able to get a lot out of it. I mean, they're yeah. the, if Devon does something, I mean, I think that's why, I mean, our Devon is Sean and I don't think Sean would ever play either Goodness, with strangers no, no. or on TTS <laughs> period at all. Yeah. No zero interest for Sean because there's nothing for him to gain because right. just purely winning is not necessarily not to say that Devons don't care about winning at all, but I think Devons want to win cool. Like they want yeah. to win because they did this cool thing, basically. Right. Yeah. And and at at the end of the day, it's your friends that you're playing with. So the the crazy bad behavior is still forgiven. I mean, Nate, you're even describing your whole group was defined by backstabbing and and basically being terrible to each other, but that was like the known variable. So that's okay. We're still friends at the end of the day. None of this, you know, none of this matters. It's just a game and and you all can walk away from it. But the big thing with playing with friends IRL is if you, if you introduce that new idea of a meta, it just doesn't even have a leg to stand on because Everything is defined by the meta. Strategy has less to do with the game at all for for most groups of just playing with friends. Let's talk about what it's like to play in uh, real life with strangers. Nate, you had something uh, that you kind of opened with whenever we were building this episode that I felt like was really, uh, really on the mark. Uh, Yeah, when you're strangers, like I said, our group... We I brought a meta of backstabbiness and just being terrible with each other. You're less likely to be bold in front of strangers. Um, mm-hmm. You just don't know who you're dealing with. Yeah, and and I think what's interesting uh, about coming coming to this game as strangers is you kind of learn about each other while you are playing, which means that 
you don't already know what to expect from these players. So the meta kind of builds slowly. And I always feel like whenever I play in the situation, there's always a moment where someone does something very unexpected. Um, generally, uh, I would say it's like, oh, I just realized that there is a Devon in this group because they've decided <laughs> to send all of their plastic, like maybe like through the gravity rift or something like that, <laughs> just to see what happens. Uh, yeah. and, and guess what? In that situation, a lot of times the rift's going to eat everything because I feel like the rift can sense the gambit <laughs> has anybody ever got this feeling that the yeah. the rift kind of has an understanding of how much you're risking yeah because i feel like when people risk very little the rift doesn't do anything yeah but if it's but when, huge <laughs> it gets it all it gets yeah. every last yeah bit. yeah it's like more effective than percentage wise it makes sense you know what i mean <laughs> yeah the the funny thing to me about in real life with strangers is that there are more people that are there to win uh which means we, we talked about before, if you're bringing a different style of meta, if it's a group of Nates and one Devin shows up in an IRL group, yeah, that's weird. But if they're all friends, it's okay. It's just like that's going to have long-term consequences in, in your games. With an IRL group with strangers, the consequences are going to happen in that game right there. And it's going to happen socially between you all. And because you don't have like a preconceived notion of what all these different people are like, uh, being backstabbed is kind of a a huge deal uh, right. in real life with strangers in, in not just a like, Oh man, you got me. But sometimes in a, like, I can't believe you are that kind of person. I don't, I do not, I don't like you. I actually don't like you. Uh, th this is, this is like the most dangerous way to play Twilight Imperium. If you're not prepared <laughs> for it, because, because you, you have to be aware of what your actions are being perceived as. Cause the whole point of playing these games, right. Is we get to take on kind of, different personalities than our own but everybody sitting down to this table only knows you as the personality that you are showcasing in game right which which can just be dangerous yeah i mean i think i think in a in a irl game with strangers uh being backstabbed has the most dramatic note to it even though kind of paradoxically the consequences for that type of behavior is lessened because they're strangers and you might never yep. play with them again. Um, I will say, I feel like if you start playing in real life with strangers and you pull some really nasty stuff, that situation might never become an IRL with friends now. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, exactly. Like, you, that's going to be canceled out. <laughs> Those strangers are strangers now forever. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a weird dynamic. You're typically not going to play with a bunch of strangers unless you're in a tournament setting, which does kind of soften sure, the blow. That's, that's very true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, a, I, I would I would throw most of the things we're saying out if it is a tournament setting, though. I mean, I, I would I would say that's almost a completely different right. mindset. As soon as there's a common goal of, yeah, we're definitely all here to win, it's a little bit more no holds barred. Like, you kind of can get away with stuff. Yeah. I, I want to talk about something real quick, just like a, a little sideline discussion. Um, if we could, like, what do we think about when it comes to tournaments, especially, I mean, with Twilight Imp Imperium in particular... How do these three fare in that right. situation, basically? In a tournament setting, who... who? I mean, obviously, Adam is kind of literally the tournament player. Right, but, Adam's been training for this. But I just wonder, is... is he's been training... Yes, he's been training for this. <laughs> he's been... He's, he has the box of Twilight Imperium, and he lifts it up over his head every day. <laughs> uh, and he's banging his head on the cardboard. Cue the Rocky yeah. music. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, but is there a place for Devin and Nate 
in a tournament setting for Twilight Imperium? I, I'm, it's an open question. I don't really, I don't know for sure. Well, I think, I think the Devons are what annoyed the, the most people for for better or worse your devons that join in the group in a tournament setting you know all the atoms sitting at the table go why'd you even come to this if you don't care about winning that's the point of the tournament mm-hmm. and why did you show I, for atoms it seems like a lot of the times devons don't even make sense inside their brain it's like why right. would you play a board game if you weren't trying to win right uh, and they, they it just doesn't compute that they'd be trying to get a story out of it and i think there's some validity to that just in terms of what is a Devon trying to get out of a tournament with strangers? Well, I don't think a Devon yeah. would even join a tournament because if the whole thing is to build a story with people and hang out with people and have fun, because that's what Devon wants to do, then right. playing with strangers doesn't accomplish that at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think to a certain extent that there's really no way, you know, it. this is just like everything else where where this is kind of a spectrum, right? So like somebody's yeah. going to kind of have some Devon qualities to them, even if they are Adam enough to do a tournament. And I feel like in our Patreon tournament, we did occasionally see people do things that kind of felt like it was just for the yucks. And sometimes yeah. we even saw people do things that I felt like were just for the yucks. And it turned out those things were smart and actually like won them games i'm thinking about schroeder's uh semi-final game where he was doing all this weird sardak nor wheeling and dealing yeah that ended up paying off so well but it didn't feel i mean i i forgive me schroeder if you're listening and being like uh i spent years developing my sardak (laughs) nor wheel and deal play but it it didn't feel like it it felt like he was literally just like i'm gonna try this and let's see how it works out and it worked very well I think what you're describing, though, is a Nate. And I do think tournaments are between Nates and Adams. And what you get are a bunch of Adams showing up, but the Nates get to pull off really, really great stuff. And because TI is the type of game that it is, I mean, Nate, you made it to the finals at Gen Con. Clearly, the Nates have a leg to stand on when it comes to tournaments and being able to actually pull off their big maneuver right. if, really if the, gets them some places. Yeah, if the gambit pays off, then it pays off. But if it doesn't, then... You know, it's very uh, high risk, high reward play. Yeah, and I think that's the honestly the most fun part of of getting tournaments, and it's it's why Hunter and I have gotten so into like commentating games and stuff. Is we wouldn't want to watch a game if it was all just six atoms trying to outmath each other. It's the Nates that come in and try to pull off huge stuff in the middle of all of the other play. You know, it's when there's three Nates versus three atoms, and you watch those things bounce back and forth. That's when the games are their most memorable. Yeah, it's the it's the ta- it's the tapestry. It's all it's all of these uh, all of these aspects together. Do we want to talk about TTS with strangers now? Yeah, I think so. So so we've been talking about in real life and and tabletop simulator obviously we have done lots of that and it's a big part of the scene these days and if anything it, in, it informs a lot of our decision making because many people on our discord that we talk to every day are in tabletop simulator and there's a lot of things that drastically change once you pop into a game on tts uh the biggest thing just being i mean obviously that social aspect is drastically drastically reduced because you can't do as many backdoor politics. You can't like whisper to somebody. I mean, there's, I guess some games have whispering, but the general norm is that only one person can talk at a time, which means there's just, it's a whole different type of meta where the mechanical things sort of take precedence over the ability to pull off non-meta related stuff, or I guess to to pull off meta related stuff. 
Yeah, and I, th- I think one of the most interesting things about playing uh, TTS with strangers is that's where you kind of tap into uh, different regional styles. Like like people yeah. people play all over the world against each other on TTS. And generally speaking, if we're talking about real life or even if we're talking about, um, you know, not to say that people, you know, you can't have your like Norwegian pen pal that you play on TTS with. Uh I think the norm is going to be when you play with people you already know, you probably already have something in common. So in TTS, we get, I think one of the most interesting things about the Patreon tournament was kind of learning that like, there are a lot of different styles to Twilight Imperium. And one style that I think was kind of underrepresented that I was like kind of curious about and would maybe even want to explore more um, is how Europeans play uh, Twilight Imperium and how different that felt um, from the uh, the more like I mean I would say overall it was vastly Americans in in the tournament and right. I feel like the style overall was uh, was very American. Well, I mean uh, yeah. not to again, not to bring it up again, but um, the Gen Con tournament kind of displays that Robofish isn't oh, right, from right. America. As we were doing our galaxy build, he was the only one that didn't kind of prescribe to the put your planet where. It right. goes, and then it ended up the board was a little bit wonkier than a typical TTS setup. Yeah, it's interesting that that at the Gen Con tournament, I felt the influence of our tournament in that. You know, it seemed like everybody kind of, even though it was a competitive build setup, was like, no, let's try and make this as, as even as possible. And everybody played very uh, conservative there. But yeah, I mean... So many times I've seen, you know, even the Gen Con 2018 video, if you watch that, there is some there is some stuff that people do in the Galaxy setup that is, I mean, I would say, by my standards, anyways, very cold, very cold yeah. stuff. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, the interesting thing about all of this, and it feels most prevalent on Tabletop Simulator, is in any game of Twilight Imperium, the, the predominant meta is almost definitely going to be the most successful right? If you have a table of four atoms, one of those atoms probably has a better chance at winning because that's the overarching meta at the table and the other people are trying to break through. Mm -hmm. So that's why we kind of saw uh, not as many Europeans do well because the Europeans in our tournament, our Patreon tournament, got spread out that they were never the majority of a game, which means their style of play didn't get its kind of fair shake, right? It was every time it was a European player with a specific style trying to play with all of these Americans with their style and just kind of always fighting against that. Uh, So yeah, I'd love to do like a European only tournament and just see how different it plays out to to see like what, what different types of plays we see. But within Tabletop Simulator in general, it seems like because you can play more often and you can work on strategies and stuff like that, uh, Atoms are the ones that have sort of taken over Tabletop Simulator, which just means that Atoms perform better. So there's still plenty of Nates out there, but generally speaking, the Atoms end up doing better purely because that's the prevailing meta, right? Right. Well, it's but to go back on it, that's right. But I've seen a lot of times players are a little bit more bold um, on TTS because, like I said, the consequence of your actions are greatly reduced. Uh, throwing your game away if you know you're not going to win... Um, mm-hmm. happens a lot more, I feel like, on TTS right. than, you know, any other format I've played in. Yeah, there's a, 
there's a whole social contract that just isn't even present online because it's kind of like ah, I'm, I may never ever not only may I never see these people again, but like I literally am not even seeing them right now. So I just don't. Right. Care <laughs> I'm not I even something seeing crazy. them currently. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I totally agree. Yeah. I mean, those those 11 p.m. tabletop simulator games are the ones where you see the person who's just like, I'm going to make a gambit and try to take someone else's home system round one. And if it doesn't work, I'm just going to turn the game off and go to sleep and I'll be all right. Yeah. Uh, and, and so those games are defined by the threat of that type of meta having having some sort of, you know, presence. Yeah. 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 I mean, I almost feel like uh, when I whenever I play TTS games in this situation, I almost want there to be a timer for this reason. I, I don't maybe that doesn't make any sense to anybody, because I mean, generally playing Twilight Imperium with a timer uh, is kind of a bummer. But in order to reduce like let's say let's say you decide hey we're going to play a game and we've got 6 hours to do it. And then let's say we hit like hour 4 and then somebody's game blows up drastically. In that situation, they will look and be like I've got 2 hours, all I got to do is hang out for 2 hours and then this game is over. If you yeah. don't have a timer, we hit hour 4 and now somebody's game is blown up on TTS, then everything that we're saying is very true, and I almost and don't please don't get mad at me, but I almost sympathize with that person a little bit because if they're playing a game where like, all right, we we've in, we've been doing this for four hours, we might have four hours ahead of us. We might have six hours ahead of us, yeah. and I'm looking at my game and it has been effectively ruined. I don't know any of these people. It's kind of a like I would say that people that stay in the game. Uh, are kind of saints, really. Like, it's really, <laughs> that's a really sweet thing to do, you know, um, to spend six hours, do like, continuing on, knowing full well, like, this has been kind of effectively ruined for me. And, I mean, I yeah. have seen people on TTS in that situation kind of be like, please eliminate me. Um, yeah. But then that's also kind of a weird, that's a weird thing because you're asking someone to make strategic decisions just to allow a player out of the game, right. which they either, which either might not make sense to them in the game that they're playing. Um, or maybe they just don't want to do, maybe they just have like, no, 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 I'm glad you, you have this like one planet left and it's kind of suits me that that is the case. Yeah. Um, so in that way, I kind of, oddly enough, kind of sometimes feel like I can make an argument for setting a timer for a TTS game. Right. Well, and you know what I miss out of all of this, though, is on Tabletop Simulator, there, there's there's nothing for Devin. Devin isn't even here, and it, it really makes me miss those kind of games to the to this point where, like, people forget that Twilight Imperium can even be played that way. Like, they almost reject that it's a valid way to play. Yeah, yeah. When it definitely is, and it's, it's almost an unfortunate thing that has happened to the persona of twilight imperium that like there isn't room for the person who just wants to do the crazy cool stuff because that that is certainly a valid way to play and that's how many many people play board games when you now, talk think, to now matt i think we feel that way because of the be, because of the show and because of the the tts culture but i think there are a lot of people out there still playing twilight imperium like that well and still maybe obviously. only playing twilight imperium like that you right know? it's just funny that it doesn't get to exist on tabletop simulator it, right it, it's it it's interesting to think that all of those players just don't show up on tabletop simulator at all when think about how different the dynamic would be if they were all just as gung-ho and showing up and just trying to get 
all the best stories. To, you know, they wanted to become a mythical legend amongst the TTS community. So they all, this is, I if anything, I almost argue that this is what the player seven is like, right? Seven <laughs> is known for doing absolutely crazy stuff that doesn't even always benefit his own game, but he has this like infamous legacy ahead of him where people are like, you never know what seven's going to do to the game when he's right. there. It's always right. crazy. It's always fun. All, the people have the most stories about seven. Yeah. Right. And and he he may be like our only Devin on tabletop simulator that I know of. Right. Right. Yeah. That not to say he's exclusively a Devin. Right. <laughs> he's he's definitely he's kind of a rising Devin with like a moon <laughs> Adam. He's he's on the he's on the cusp of of Devin and Adam. He's right there on the cusp. So he's got some. You know. He's a water. He's a water out Adam. Is really what it is. <laughs> or it might be an Earth Adam. I don't know. Um. Well, furthermore, this transitions into kind of our last group, which is to say there's this group of people that have become friends on Tabletop Simulator. Right? I mean, the reason we keep throwing out names like Magi and Seven and, and you know, T.G. Welch, we mention all the time. There's these people that are super, super prevalent in the community, and they play games with each other all the time to the point where they are friends and they do know each other. And that has also drastically shifted their kinds of games mm -hmm. uh naderade you you've played online a few times and i think you've played with most of these people D would what would you say changes when it's all a group of those people that know each other when there aren't any any dark horses there's no strangers amongst the group what what changes the game well if you play enough to know people um that play consistently on tts you probably play a lot of tts yourself so right. you're at a point where adams uh are they kind of start to go away and the Nates start to come back because people start exploring uh, the real depths of strategy. What can I pull off? This is how we get, uh, you know, Frankendraft. I, I want to see oh, how crazy yeah. <laughs> mechanics can work and what kind of crazy stuff happens. Yeah. yeah. I, the Frankendraft thing is a whole other thing too, but, but you're very right that it's interesting that the Nates of the world get to come back into the forefront because like you're saying it's it becomes more about exploration that if you're playing four times a week you don't care about explicitly winning you care about enacting a new idea of a new strategy that that maybe maybe this works and, and you put on your theory crafting hat and really really try to make stuff work and and you just do a quick pickup game and and you know these people play really fast so it's like yeah we'll do a quick four hour game and i'm gonna see if fighter two on barony is a good strategy or not right exactly so it, because if you're playing as an atom four or five times a week it becomes very assembly line monotonous like you just going through the motions robotic mm -hmm. that's not fun yeah and, and and i think uh this is where the experimentation gets most specific basically it's it's almost like we're getting to a point where these people are like scientists just trying to figure out all of uh, all of the available strategies left. Anything yeah. like it's it's people turning over stones trying to see like is there any argument for? I mean, honestly, it's what this kind of theory crafty um, like arc of the show that we've kind of been in for a yep. while has been a lot of a lot of that and based on a lot of the stuff that even these other people are doing in these right. smaller TTS circles. Um, it's also like. I think the meta that me and Matt are most looking at when we are writing the new strategy guides. And Absolutely. I would, yeah, and I would say overall that I think um, one of the things that we are going to continue... Well, it's really good that we did Soul 
first um, in mm-hmm. these in these new revised strategy guides because I think Soul is I don't I don't think you really need us to tell you how to play Soul. I'm it was fun and I love talking about Soul, but I think most people pretty much understand how to do it. And even newer players can look at Soul and probably have a pretty good game, even without our advice. Like they can just pick it up. Um, yeah, but. I think one of the things that me and Matt want to improve on going forward with the rest of the guides is kind of widening that meta. Uh, and not to say that we didn't try and do this in the Soul Guide at all. We we definitely did. But making even that more explicit of like, yeah. here's here's how, um, you know, if, if your meta is a bunch of Nates and Devons, here's maybe how you can adjust parts of our guide to work with that. Um, we don't want it to exclusively be uh, a series of guides that that are best if it's just a table of atoms, and they're not meant to be tournament guides no. either. They're not right. just meant for hyper competitive play. They should also be, hey, do you just want to know how this faction works on a pretty basic level, and then maybe uh, here's some also some creative weird stuff you could do with them, or some like really power gamey stuff you could do with them. I would love it if the guides encompassed all, all of those approaches. Yeah. Uh, and, and I love that this kind of exploration is what dominates this thing because I think that's, for me, that's the most fun part of Twilight Imperium, right? Is is just the constant discovery of what the game is capable of and what different types of players are capable of. Uh, this this discovery has taken some, some, I almost want to call them dark turns, but they're just crazy turns. Uh, Nate, you brought up Frankendraft and there was a recent development of a thing called Nuzlocke Rules. Uh, which is just to say these people that play all the time have now, they haven't gotten bored with Twilight Imperium, but they have gotten uh, kind of uh, antsy. And so they start just introducing completely new rules and, and the homebrew stuff that happens on Tabletop Simulator is a little bit crazy. It's also reinforced by the fact that introducing homebrew stuff is very easy on Tabletop Simulator. So it's funny that there's the same type of players that are looking to perfect strategies and are kind of informing our strategy guides are the same players that are like, yeah, yeah, that strategy stuff is cool. But what if I had Embers of Muat's War Sons, but also had Jolnar's research capabilities and could have the plus one of Sardak Nor? What if it was that instead of anything that's actually present in the game? Mm-hmm. And let's just throw the rules out the window. The fact that those two things both exist in this exact same group uh, is really hilarious to me. Well, I think it's a matter of, you know, a lot of people start off as Devons or maybe they start off as Adams, but like you're never stuck in one thing. I think a lot of these guys, myself included, you start off as an Adam and then you just start thinking, all right, what could I do else? What could I do more? And then you slowly yeah. start turning into a Nate or, you know, maybe you're just playing a game. Who cares? I'm going to be a dev in this game. Um, right. So you're not stuck, but I think that's what's happened because you are playing with friends. You're more in a comfortable atmosphere. People are talking together. Hey, what is this? What of that? What of that? Um, it's people are converting to the being a Nate. That that's a super interesting take on it. I, I, I love that as kind of a, a bookend to this whole idea of like, I mean, what we just went through the whole circle of it, right? We went from your friends to strangers to strangers online and back to friends online. And we resorted back to this idea of just like experimentation and hanging out and, and that you, there, there is still always room for that in kind of any, any circle, uh, whether you're playing online or not, as, as long as you can find that social, 
agreement, right? As long as you can all kind of fall on the same page of your style, you can get into some really, really interesting uh, dynamics. Yeah, I, th- I think in the end, it just comes down to like, there are there are competitive games that kind of ha- like call for a different style of play. And then there are casual games that like, honestly, at the end should probably be more about fun anyways. You know what I mean? Like, and I think I think these these three these three types of people that we have outlined here um, are, I think they just kind of prioritize slightly different things, but I, I think there's something to be learned from each of those approaches. And even if, if you are just like, Oh, I just want to play the game like this, that's valid. But also I do think the, the, the twilight Imperium community could use a little just openness to all of these approaches. I, I have seen a lot of yeah. situations where people would get kind of upset at a Devon player. Um, and I think I would get upset uh, if, if depending on the context of it, um, sure. but I do think when you're playing Twilight Imperium, like fun should be also a priority. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. And, and it's not so bad to to make that a higher priority. And some pe- some people definitely Devons I feel like do. Yeah, and and again, it goes back to all of my most favorite memories of the game were were from a Devon, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And and a lot of people on Tabletop Simulator's favorite moments are from a Nate. So while Adams are having their fun the game defining moments come from everybody interacting with each other. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, well, I I think this has been pretty awesome. Uh, uh, Nate, thank you so much for joining us on the show and, and kind of uh, approaching this topic. We, you kind of proposed it to us and we both were immediately in love with it. Uh, I think we just like talking about the types of people who play this game. So thanks so much for joining us on the show and, and for, you know, being a space kitty and, and it was great to meet you at Gen Con and everything. Yeah, man, it's a bit of pleasure. Thanks for having me. Wasn't that fun. Okay. Well, I have to do the rundown now. This is the part of the episode that you might not listen to if you don't listen to the rundown, but this is the rundown now. Hey, rate us. Rate us. If you like this rundown, rate this rundown on iTunes and Apple Podcasts uh, and let us know that you enjoyed it and that it's worth five stars. Five star rundown. That's what your comment should say. What a five star rundown. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at Space Cats Pod. You can find us on Facebook, Space Cats Peace Turtles. We post every week on the Twilight Imperium subreddit www.reddit.com slash r slash Twilight Imperium. There's all kinds of fun posts there all the time. You should be a part of that community. It rules. Hey, you can also join our Patreon so that you can do episodes like this. If you become a space kitty, you get to do exactly what Naderade did today and have an entire episode dedicated to a topic that you want to talk about. Uh, you can also be in our Goodian Brotherhood and play games with us. That can be Twilight Imperium or it can be our upcoming Dune and Root series uh anything there's all kinds of stuff you can do on our patreon and you should totally check it out uh you can also join our discord and be a part of uh fun conversations i get this question a lot uh you do not have to be a part of the patreon to join the discord you should just come hang out on our discord for free and if you have a patreon if if you are a patron you get kind of some extra perks on the discord but anybody can join the discord so you should come hang out with us and talk to us 24 7 because it's super duper fun that's the end of the rundown Again, if you thought that was a good rundown, I thought it was a pretty good rundown myself. Uh, You should give it a five-star rundown, rundown five stars. I have to go now because I'm talking. I, I do not enjoy when I have to do intros and outros by myself. Bye. Goodbye. Running away now. Thank you for listening to Space Cat's Peace Turtles. And thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum.